Hi, welcome to the World Healing Tour podcast, where our mission is to help you heal yourself so you can heal the world. Hi, my name is Noah Crane. Each week, we will bring you tips and tools and inspire you to live your most empowered and joyful life. I'm also the founder of the 3G Effect Mindset, a daily practice to keep you heart-centered in everything you do by having a positive mindset and a positive attitude and practicing three important elements. Number one, having a grateful heart and connecting to your gratitude. When you're connecting to your gratitude, you're connecting to positive feelings and positive emotions, and therefore drawing more of those feelings into your life, which is so important um, because we're in a place of where we are drawing in positive emotions and positive feelings. We're also in a place of having more positive people, experiences and things into our lives because we're drawing more on that and eliminating those things that don't serve us, like negative feelings and fears. So make sure every day that you have a grateful heart. What are you grateful for right now in this moment? Think about it. Number two. Every day, remember to ground in love and compassion. First, love and compassion for yourself, because it all starts with you. When you're in a place of love and compassion, you are able to connect more to yourself and to your own self-love and acceptance and able to remove some of those judgments, right? We all have judgments of ourselves, judgments of others, but we're in a place of love and compassion. You're learning more to forgive yourself, to love yourself, to accept yourself, to stop rejecting yourself, right? Those things are so important. When you're able to give yourself more love and compassion, you're also able to extend that love and compassion to others. I really believe, as we all know, that whatever we put out there will come back to us. And the world is round, as we know. Energy moves in a round circle. So anytime you're putting out love in the world and compassion in the world, you will get to have an abundance of love and compassion in return. And we all want more love and compassion, right? And number three, element number three, every day know that you are guided by God. Whatever it is for you, whether it's God, universe, higher power, energy, whatever you call, whatever you connected, whatever you plug into, for me, it's God, right? So I say that God is within you. He's beside you and he's all around you. Learn to open your heart to God. God will, you know, want to connect with you and you will want to connect to God. So you don't, you don't feel alone on your journey. You will feel much more supported on your journey. Every day, take time to pray to God, um, to ask God for guidance and support, to thank God for this amazing journey, for this amazing opportunity. God will send you messages and messengers in ways that you could never even expect. And they will help guide you in your life. Messages just for you. So you got to keep your heart open to receiving the guidance of God. My whole life has been guided by God. Every choice that I made, everything that I've done has been guided by God. So we have to become really good listeners. When we become good listeners, the path will open up. In time, everything will be shown to us, but we have to ask the questions and we have to keep moving forward towards our goals and dreams. By practicing the 3G Effect Mindset daily, 
miracles have transformed in my life. So many things from finding my soulmate um, and be able to create so much abundance and happiness and joy in my own life. And I want that for you too. And that's why um, I want to keep spreading the word about the 3G effect mindset and really getting out of our own way, doing our own inner work, right? Our own inner work to create our outer world because it all starts with us. Every, the way we see ourselves, the way we are inside, that's what we create every day in our lives. So starting to shift that by doing the 3G effect mindset will start shifting and changing your life. And I'm so excited to share this message with you. Today, I'm so excited about the conversation we're going to having. So the World Healing Tour, Heal Yourself, Heal the World. That's what it's all about, right? Because when we're able to heal ourselves, we can make the world a better place. And one thing that a lot of people are dealing with these days is mental health, right? There's such a mental health crisis out there. And that's my guest, um, Paul Altenay, that's here today. We're going to be talking about. He's a mental health professional for over 14 years. And I'm so excited to have him here at my podcast. Paul, welcome to the World Healing Tour podcast. It's such an honor to have you here today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here today. Thank you. I am really excited about the topic today, especially with everything going on in the world, right? It seems like mental health has been really at the forefront of our lives right now. It, it, at least it seems like that, right? With social media and everything going on. And um, I want to just start by asking you, how did you get interested in mental health? How did you get inspired to go into this field? Well, it's a great question to start with because for a while I didn't really have a clear direction where I wanted to go in life. Uh, and I was taking a psychology 101 class with a professor who was really inspiring to me that kind of really helped me to begin to see the value of this work. And I think the biggest thing that stood out from that time, which, which inspired me, was the idea of exploring this aspect of our lives that is intangible. You can't really measure it. You can't really capture it. And yet it has such a profound impact on how we live. So medical doctors often deal with the bones, the flesh, the things that are measurable and observable. But uh, from a mental health standpoint, we're dealing with emotions, thoughts, perceptions, things that are not as easily measurable, but equally important in terms of our wellness and well-being. And so it was through that that I was inspired to pursue this work and find out more about how I could be of service in that world. That, that's amazing. That's great. So this teacher, actually, professor, inspired you to want to, you know, pursue mental health. And um, today, it seems almost like there's not enough mental health people out mm. there. It seems like more and more people need mental health with all the things going on in the world. Do you think that today mental health is more on the forefront than it's ever been? Absolutely. We're paying attention more than ever. And there's, I think it's a combination of things. Uh, first, that we are paying attention more and more and noticing the impacts it always had, but we weren't really as aware of, of it as we are now. And there are now, I think, in some ways, a lot of factors that have converged to create more mental health challenges for each person. Uh, so there's a combination of us just paying more attention, just noticing more of it, realizing more and more of the impact. And the fact that there is certainly some factors happening in our world today, some crises, challenges that are causing a lot of difficulty. Uh, part of it actually has to do with our connection with each other. We're able to know about what's going on in a person's life across the world in a way that we've never been able to before. 
So all of this information is coming in and really having an impact on our individual day-to-day experiences. And that certainly causes stress, which can aggravate mental health conditions as well. So, so yeah, there's a lot of factors, unfortunately, you know, that we're having to contend with. And uh, you're right, more, more mental health professionals are needed. Definitely. And do you, I, I feel like we all have some kind of mental health. Like we all, mm. I mean, and if we don't right now, as we go through life, different traumas, different things happen to us, we're all going to experience mental health in one way or another. Is, do you think that's true? Absolutely. Yeah. It's again, it's one of those things where it doesn't matter what you are doing. It's going to be a part of your life, whether you are a doctor, a medical doctor, or uh, lawyer or nurse and particularly nurses have been really stressed um, with with mental health situations aggravated by the the 2020 um, pandemic which uh, causes stress on hospitals and so on and, and doctors and a lot of grieving as well has been a result of that and so every profession from one way or another can be impacted you know from a mental health standpoint so it's really a pervasive issue. But I think what's really important is looking at it from a more practical standpoint. And I say that because, the, again, because mental health is so intangible, so hard to pin down in terms of, you know, why do we feel certain emotions? Why do we, what, what do we mean when we talk about stress, for instance? It's a very general term, which, uh, at sometimes can seem really hard to define and, and we can use all sorts of different experiences to cause stress, you know, to, to name it as stress. But the reality of it is that there are very practical experiences that are tied with stress. And there's a, there are physiological responses that our body goes through when we're feeling stress. And I think it's really important for us to kind of de- demystify the idea of mental health as being something that's completely uh, sort of intangible and um, is, is mysterious. It's really very practical. Our bodies reflect the different states that we find ourselves in when we're dealing with mental health issues. Yeah, so what, does, when somebody's, how would you like define mental health? Like for people that, you know, are thinking like, can you like give me like more of a clear picture of what mental health is. How would you how would you say like somebody that's going through stress, through depression? What are some of the symptoms of mental health that you're going through something? Well, you know, it's uh, there are so many different symptoms, but the main ones that you want to look at are some of the daily activities that you would normally engage in and how those are impacted by uh, circumstance that you might be going through in life. Maybe it's a difficulty at work difficulty in a relationship. Um, Again, it can come from a variety of different sources, but the impact that it's having, say, on sleep, how well are you sleeping? Are you having difficulty falling asleep? Mm -hmm. Are you um, waking up tired, even though you've had, you know, eight hours of sleep, you're waking up exhausted, feeling really tired? That's a clear sign of mental health um, uh, issues. Uh, You want to look at eating. How are you eating? You know, is eating healthy? Are you not? Are you having difficulty uh, eating at all? Loss of appetite? Are you eating to the point where you feel like you're eating, stress eating, emotionally eating, where you can't stop, you don't feel full and you're you're eating often? That's another sign of mental health issue uh, that you could pick up on. And I think those are kind of the basic core ways to assess 
how you're doing in terms of whether or not you're dealing with a mental health issue, uh, sleep, eating, and I guess energy level as well. You know, how do you feel throughout the day? Do you feel groggy? Do you feel tired? Um, a lot of energy issues are not just physical issues, but also mental. You know, do you feel exhausted in terms of uh, thinking through the challenges that you have? If you're feeling overwhelmed by just thinking about them, those are signs as well that you're in a mental health issue and you should probably talk to somebody. Do a lot of our mental health issues come from family, from traumas, from all kinds of things we go through? What are some things that cause people to have mental health? Or is it something you're born with, would you say, in most cases? Well, I would say in, in um, the case of mental health condition, we have to really be clear about, I guess, what we're talking about in terms of that. So if we're dealing with, with trauma, for instance, um, that's usually caused uh, not from a genetic standpoint where you're born with, for instance, a particular personality style, which is another kind of aspect of mental health. So trauma is usually an experience that, that is impacted uh, due to circumstances, events. Um, for instance, you know, post-traumatic stress is a very common uh, diagnosis that's talked about uh, in the mental health world. Uh, a lot of our veterans deal with that. Um, and so that's a, a clear example of how a situation can cause a mental health issue when it, in regards to mental, uh, post-traumatic stress. So you can see a lot of that also reflected in certain family systems. So based on your family of origin, uh, where you were born, the time you were born, the interactions you've had as a young person with mom and dad, siblings, and even you know outside of the family itself, but just through uh, peers at school, uh, teachers at school, those conditions can create effects that can be seen as trauma, depending on, again, what happened during those times. And part of what I think is important to know about trauma, uh, and I'm speaking more about that because I want to kind of really land on this point, it's more about what happens to us than it is what happens um, around us. So in other words, it's what happens inside of us, the way that we uh, process the events that we're going through that then determines whether or not we feel trauma over it, or we have traumatic responses. So the event itself could have happened 10 years ago, but what happens to the person, they carry that into today, into the here and now. So they have a post-traumatic stress response today for something that happened 10 years ago. But again, it looks like, well, 10 years ago is, is in the past, right? Mm -hmm. However, something happens to the nervous system of say the child or the person who goes through it, which then remains as an imprint which then they relive over and over and over. So the trauma is now encoded in their bodies, encoded in their brain chemistry. And so anytime they have an experience outside of, um, or that looks similar to the, to the event that started, you know, the trauma response, it, it triggers it all over again. And so part of understanding, I guess, the way that mental health um, ought, ought to be understood or to how to dis demystify is to realize that it's, it's a very kind of sort of a clear example in terms of how the body responds to whatever mental health condition you're dealing with. It's not something that is just a, uh, you know, a, 
an accident or a something that you wouldn't have you wouldn't have uh, anticipated. It's very it's usually very clearly connected with something that's happened, and it's also very well reflected in, within the body. So when we're looking at what healing looks like, you really want to look at well, how do we help the body system to be in regulation to to sort of re-regulate itself. Yeah, and so much of, of our traumas are in our bodies, right? Correct. And some of it we don't even remember. Like, cause because of trauma, I feel like a lot of things that I went through in my life in an earlier stage that I blocked it out, you know? And um, I know people that have blocked out things like sexual abuse, mm -hmm. you know, by somebody. Like they've blocked it out of their lives, but at some point in life it might come up or somehow there's a memory back there that something will trigger that memory and get them you know, back into a place where they're feeling like something, you know, the trauma starts coming up again and they they need the support, the mental health support. Well, yeah, and this, this is a very important piece that you're describing here about the trauma and how that impacts the individual because mm -hmm. the support and how do you heal from it? Or how do you heal from mental health conditions? So if you're dealing with anxiety, if you're dealing with depression, if you're dealing with uh, trauma, post-traumatic stress, as we talked about, if we're dealing with even attention deficit, to some extent, uh, although it's not necessarily a, a behavioral condition, it's more of a cognitive issue. Nonetheless, all of those different conditions are best remedied through relationships mm -hmm. with others. Uh, and it's really, and this is kind of the important piece around demystifying mental health because often it's it's so elusive in terms of how do people get better you know what is it about therapy for instance that uh, helps person to to overcome anxiety right that's a you know how, how do you do it right by talking about it how does that work right you're not prescribing medication we're not giving anyone any pills so what is the mechanism for healing and what we have found through research is that uh about a quarter of what accounts for someone's healing in a therapeutic uh, uh, relationship has to do not with the modality, the techniques that the therapist is using. It has more to do with the quality of their relationship with the client. And so this is a very important piece, I think, to highlight because often people are looking for the right therapist in terms of finding the right modality. You know, does this person use cognitive behavioral therapy? Mm -hmm. Does this person use, you know, um, motivational interviewing or, or, dialectical, uh, or uh, dialectical behavioral therapy? However, what's most important in terms of what's gonna determine how well the person does with, with uh, mental health uh, therapies, it's gonna be due to the quality of their connection with the client with the therapist. So the client to therapist relationship um, is far more important than the modality the person uses. And I think that's important to highlight because the relationship is healing itself. So just being in relationship, healthy relationship with others can really help reduce anxiety, for instance, can help reduce um, depression, for instance, can help you better cope with trauma, in other words just that alone. So um, that then informs us to consider, well, how do we then heal, right? How do we get better? What does healing look like? Well, it looks like regulating the nervous system. A large part of what we struggle with in terms of our mental health condition has to do with our nervous system responding in a way that's maladaptive. 
Uh, we have a nervous system that's supposed to help us to, to thrive and survive. Well, first survive and then thrive. And sometimes that nervous system gets confused about what's going on in its environment. And it may believe it's in danger when it isn't. Uh, it may shut down and have responses to um, commonplace, you know, sort of uh, interactions where uh, it's seen as if it's, again, reacting in a way that doesn't, is not proportional to what's happening in the moment. So in that way, the nervous system gets dysregulated. And the goal then is to help the, re the nervous system re-regulate itself. And the way to do that, the best way to do that is through relationships with others. It's one of the best ways. And then there are a few other techniques too. I love that you said that, Paul, because relationships are so healing. Like you said, like I literally, I've been married to my husband for 27 years and mm. I literally feel like his love and support has healed me. Mm. And, and helped me become the woman that I am. Like I couldn't be, I always say because of you, I get to be me. Mm. Like I, I couldn't be the woman that I am without his love and support. Like he, he really has healed so much of my, you know, trauma and past just with his love and support, mm -hmm. you know? And the, the, the hardest thing for me, cause I came to this country from Israel was the fact that in Israel we had a community, you mm. know, there was a togetherness. There's much more a feeling of a family and a community. Um, I grew up on a kibbutz, which was even more community because, you know, you grow up with a bunch of people and in a, in, in a kibbutz is where you um, actually live in a community with people and you grow up with them and you work in the same like three, four hundred people and you get to know everybody. And there's a real support for the kids, for the families, you know, real connections. And then when I came to this country, so I was brought from this like secure place to the streets of Chicago, basically, because mm. we moved to Chicago yeah. where I had no friends, no mm. connections. The kids made fun of my name, Noah's Ark, Noah's Ark, you know, and I felt alone and, yes. you know, made fun of my religion. And it was it was really difficult. And I think that here in this country, because there's so much separation, it's such a big country and there's so much separation, it lacks I see it more here in the United States because I haven't lived in a lot of different places besides Israel and here, but I see a lot of dysfunction in the families, you know, and a lot of traumas being passed because there's not like the, the grandparents and the extended family living with you. You know, we're kind of like living on our own with our own family. And if we have traumas from our past, we're passing it on to our kids, you know, and it's just like, you gotta, we have to do so much of that inner work to break that cycle of abuse, to break that cycle of being better and doing better. That was always my mission. Like I need to break the cycle of my family past. How do I heal myself so I can do better for my kids? Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. And, but I do feel like, you know, when you see school shootings here and you mm. see crazy things that happen, mm -hmm. like I don't see those things happening in Israel, right? They don't happen there like school shootings and stuff. And so you wonder, you know, are people truly happy inside? Like, do they have the support systems? Do they have the relationships that they need to thrive? Because if you don't have those relationships, if you don't build a community, and this is what I think it is, Paul, and I don't know, it's not just a relationship with your therapist or with your partner, which is really important, or with your kids, but it's also the community that we can build around us, you know, mm -hmm. the people, the friends, the extended kind of community that keeps us grounded and keeps us in a positive place. Absolutely. It's a, 
it's a uh, cascading effect, mm -hmm. as you said. It's sort of like, you know, uh, circles within circles that mm -hmm. grow out from um, the family of origin to uh, the community, the neighborhood, mm -hmm. and, and beyond, right, into the, into the country. And the feeling and sense of belonging connection is really healthy and very good for the, for the mind and very good for healing. And there's another part, I think, that we didn't mention that's important to highlight is the relationship with the self. Oh, yes. Which is another piece that is we rare because we, we are living in a different world. Like we, the, the life we used to live when we were kids, you know, we can't replicate that mm -hmm. today, you know, because the world's changed in ways that, that can't, you know, reverse back to having, like you mentioned, uh, the, the kind of really strong sense of community, mom and dad and grandparents in the household. Things are very different. We're not likely to be able to recapture something like that. So the question is, well, what do we do with what we have and how do we make that work? And, I, and as people, we're really, we're set up to evolve, to adapt. Uh, one of the shining lights of being a human being is our ability to adapt and adjust. And this is certainly, situation where we have to learn how to and heal and right and heal yeah yeah which is a natural state our healing is a, is an inevitability mm -hmm. problem with what we end up struggling with is that we get stuck along the way mm -hmm. but the body wants to heal the body wants to be in connection the body wants to feel uh, regulated as we we're describing but things get in the way and disrupt mm -hmm. that we don't always know how to do that but i think the relationship with the self along with the relationship with a, uh, a therapist, mm -hmm. not necessarily a therapist, a mm -hmm. healer of some sort, mm -hmm. right? Because it's about the quality of the relationship. And where there are negative relationships within friend circles or family circles, where you can mend and heal that, you should do that. Mm -hmm. Try to kind of forgive and, mm -hmm. and, and resolve whatever conflict, because that will help the individual to regulate more effectively, mm -hmm. right? So that if you're in a healthier relationship with someone, you yourself will have a healthier response to, to, to being around them or living uh, in this world with them. Uh, and if it's a family member, it's usually very helpful. But, you know, as a therapist, I've seen it where that isn't very healthy, in fact, to try to fix a relationship. And instead of trying to just look outward and try to find ways to connect with people, it's very important to look inward as well and connect with your own body your own sense of being and that's crucial because that's the part of you that makes a decision to get healthier mm -hmm. to notice that there's a dysfunction in the family system to understand when you're feeling stressed and you say i feel like i have a lot of anxiety this doesn't feel right and i need to do something to get help so that part of us is the awareness within the inner witness that can then have a loving relationship with our body a loving relationship with our lives mm -hmm. to then seek the, 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 what we need in terms of the support mm -hmm. or the changes that need to take place to then begin our healing process. Yeah, that makes so much sense, Paul. Um, you know, self-love, you know, and doing your inner work, like I was talking in the beginning, right? We have to do our inner work to create our outer world. You know, we have to um, get out of our own way right um and part of it is you know we're in our own way why do you think we're in our own way so much like i just feel like i know as a therapist you probably mm -hmm. see that people are really in their own way hmm. what are some of the things that you think cause people to be in their way do you think it's like not totally accepting themselves or like rejecting love because they're afraid of it like there's a lot of fears around things i mm -hmm. feel like right 
Absolutely. Yeah, I think uncertainty has a lot to do with that. Mm -hmm. I think that uh, we get in our own way because we lack um, trust and understanding about life. And like I was saying a little bit earlier, my, my goal in, in a lot of the work that I do is to try to demystify this process, this experience. And I think if we can start to trust in ourselves, trust in our body's ability to recover, to heal, to grow, then it's easier to get out of our own way. Because if you, for instance, if you get a cut on your hand, right, your body just heals. Mm -hmm. Your body naturally heals it. You don't have to really do much, in fact, right? And so it, it can feel very different, though, from an emotional standpoint. Like we said before, it's an intangible part of us. We can't measure it. We can't see the healing happening. And often there are a lot of other factors that can interfere with the healing process because it's a different, different uh, mechanism. But the principle is the same, that the body wants to heal, and the way that the body heals is to grow, mm. right? So we can keep it very simple if we speak about, of it in that way, and I think in that way we get up out of our own way. Because if you th look at having a cut, for instance, in your hand, the way your body heals is that it grows new tissue. It grows new skin and it connects with other, the other part of your skin and it grows uh, the, the skin in a way that seals it and heals it. And so we can see healing as a process of growth. As if we're growing, that usually means we're healing. And if we're feeling as if we're not growing, we're feeling stuck, then there may be some parts of us, some part of us that, that uh, we're, we need to heal, we need to look at to grow a little mm -hmm. bit more of. But I think that's a really important way to look at things, to simplify it, to know it's our nature to heal. It's our, our nature mm -hmm. to be healthy. Uh, like when you observe a plant who hasn't been watered, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It looks like it's, it's dying, right, more or less. It looks bent out of shape, it's droopy, and you give it water for about a day or two, and pretty soon, it's back. Mm -hmm. It's full, its leaves are full again, erect, and, and it, it looks healthy. Mm -hmm. And so our body responds the same way to what it needs. It will heal. The healing is inevitable. The question is what needs to be healed, and how do we get there? And what does it need for healing is really the only question. But healing is, is, is uh, yeah, matter of, matter of course. So how can people start healing themselves, whether it's through therapy or I know you also do music, um, drumming mm. with them. What are some tools that you would give people to start healing their traumas and healing themselves? Well, like I was mentioning that mm. uh, the relationship with the self is so important. Uh, as well as the relationship with others. And so I think that's a, a place to start, is just becoming aware. That's a really important first step in healing, is noticing what needs to be healed. So that means paying attention. Uh, doesn't necessarily mean meditation, but it can be meditation. But I would say at least reflection. A mm -hmm. uh, place where you can sit and really think through what you're feeling, what you're wanting, and what's getting in the way. That's the first step, is that self-awareness. Clarity. Clarity, yes. <laughs> and it doesn't mean you'll know exactly what it is, mm -hmm. but you'll get a hint. Mm -hmm. You'll get, because again, the body naturally wants to heal, and it will provide you with the information if you sit quietly and listen. And from there, that level of awareness, then you can take towards changing whatever it is that you need to change. 
as an example, if you're dealing with a lot of anxiety, um, as one example, people are dealing with a lot of different things, but if you're, anxiety is one I commonly see in, in my practice. So um, I see it often enough to know that a lot of anxiety has to do with uh, feelings of uh, unworthiness. Um, in fact, anxiety often is, uh, is the mask that uh, people sort of, or the part that people experience, which really has to do with feelings of shame, feeling of not being good enough, and the, the fear about being seen uh, and not being good enough with being rejected, as you were saying. So that has a lot to do with why a lot of people struggle with anxiety. And so I think starting in a place like that, you would heal this by looking at not so much how do I stop being so anxious, mm -hmm. right? But rather looking at what are the underlying uh, thought patterns that run in my mind that uh, causes me to feel um, anxiety, causes me to... So we're looking at what are the, the ways that I see myself. Negative through. conversations. Negative conversations, mm -hmm. negative self-image. Mm -hmm. And to know that that itself was a conditioned thing, um, your worthiness and your value isn't determined um, by people's opinions. Mm -hmm. They're determined, in my view, by your existence. Um, that there's, everyone is pretty incredible in terms of their mm -hmm. beingness, right, and their mm -hmm. potential. Um, but we, along the way, get into thinking and believing that there's something inadequate missing or something like that in mm -hmm. us. And therefore, uh, we start to condition ourselves to be, to be smaller, to not be seen, mm -hmm to uh, worry about others' opinion, to really invest in whether or not people accept us. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of this work in terms of dealing with anxiety has to do with going to um, affirmations, self-loving, um, self-talk, uh, appreciating. What are, some, what are some of the affirmations you teach people to say? Well, one of the, one of the main I think, things to, to highlight that I think is a very uh, important process is that one of the things I teach people, and I'll give you mm -hmm. ex exactly what I do with people, mm -hmm. particularly as one of our first sessions. I talk a little bit about breathing techniques. Mm -hmm. right? And I want people to, again, go into that space of awareness. So they're aware of their lives, aware of the moment. They're in the moment, because often we're in the past or in the mm -hmm. future. Mm -hmm. So I, we talk about breathing techniques. So part of it is breathing using the whole body to breathe rather than just the chest, using the stomach and noticing how I'm breathing, noticing the breath moving in and out of the bodies. Right? Mm -hmm. That itself brings us into the moment. And the moment is the only place we have to truly do anything. Mm -hmm. it's, it's the most powerful place you could be. And so when we bring our attention and our presence to this moment, we have our full power to do what we need to do. Yeah, the present is the pre the presence is the present. Yes, that's what I always <laughs> say. It. it is, it really is, it really is. It's the only thing that really is. First of all, we're always in the present, mm -hmm. but our minds have a way of 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 confusing that and, and thinking about the past and losing sight of the here and now. So a big part of the healing process begins with connecting with the power that is in the here and now, because mm -hmm. that's where you can change the, the things that I was describing change the perception you have of yourself. Mm -hmm. You can't do it in the past, and you really can't do it in the future because there's no, mm -hmm. we're not there yet, mm -hmm. uh, right? And I often say we create our past. Mm -hmm. So everything we do in the now becomes a yesterday. Mm -hmm. 
And so the power is really here every time. So the breathing techniques is a way to help us to connect with the present moment, connect with the power of the moment mm -hmm. for choice. And it began to then access what are the beliefs deep down that I have about me that are interfering with my inner peace. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes we'll trace it back to something that happened with someone. It's usually a relationship, <laughs> whether it's mom or dad or the girlfriend, the boyfriend, mm -hmm. the best friend, uh, the sister, the brother. Mm -hmm. It's usually somewhere there where eventually we took away a message that um, there was something wrong with us. And so we made it mean whatever it, we made it mean. Whatever narrative we came up with mm -hmm. in that moment, um, and we, tend, we believed it. Mm -hmm. And we know the power of belief is, uh, is you know, measured against, in fact, in the placebo effect, right? We actually, belief is so important that we have to actually consider the placebo effect to, uh, to make sure that it's not a, you know, the reason why someone gets better if they're given uh, a certain medication. So that belief in the negative is just as powerful. And so somewhere along the way, we got into this belief of thinking that we weren't good enough. Mm -hmm. We got the message when we were kids and perhaps we didn't have the facility or the faculties and the ability at that moment to see it differently. And we just believed it. And so that began the process of, of um, feeling negatively about ourselves, questioning and wondering and doubting. And so now in this moment when we're breathing and we're present, we get to tell another story. We get to understand that that moment, we didn't have the information we have today to have had a better conclusion or drawn a better conclusion mm -hmm. to uh, whatever was being said to us in that moment, right? So we are able to, in this moment, tell a different story and say, well, you know, my value and my worth was more than whatever it is that I believed at that time. Mm -hmm. And I, you, at that moment, then you're able to begin to, to condition yourself to begin to believe something different about you. And that's, that's really, for me, where you have the most ability to create change. And that's the part where I focus on when I work with clients is trying to help them to bring them to the moment to make that choice so they can see themselves as they really are. And, and my belief, the reason I bring people to the space is I believe that who they really are, you know, what the person really is, is a potential. It's mm -hmm. a, that person is, can learn their name, mm -hmm. they can learn um, their origins, they can learn language, they can learn customs, they can learn anything, mm -hmm. just about. And they can learn negative things. They can learn to, con to hold themselves small. They can learn to doubt themselves, they can learn to fear intimacy. Mm -hmm. And so that ability to learn is really powerful, but of course, when it's created in the wrong way, it leads to, to what we you know, sometimes see when people are, are feeling negative about themselves. But that same ability, mm -hmm. that same potential, when turned towards something positive, can also learn that. And it's in our choices that we make to what we focus on, what we decide to learn, what we decide to get better at, that determines what we are, who we are, and how we live. Mm -hmm. yeah. And how to unlearn everything that we learned, right? Yes. Because it's, it's like you really have to unlearn those things to, like you said, in the present moment, create something different, create a different story, a different, you know, realize that there's another way of being, right? And, and get the tools that they need 
to be able to live a more empowered life. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's the, where the, the work is, exactly that, is in that ability to make that choice. And so we have that ability, we have the power, but we do it well in relationships, right? Relationships with others, like you mentioned, community, uh, family, friends. Um, and again, that relationship with self is crucial. But yeah, that's the biggest thing is understanding that you have within you the ability for self-healing and it works better in the community with others mm -hmm. yeah so as much as you can give yourself that chance be in community as you were saying be with others but know that it starts with you first you gotta heal what's inside first yeah 100 percent. and you know i wrote the book the grass is greenest where i am which is behind us and i said for 20 years paul i'm gonna write my book mm -hmm. and i couldn't I didn't love myself enough to write it. I couldn't spend time with myself. I couldn't sit with myself. I was always running away from myself. Mm -hmm. Only when I was able to come to a place of self-love and self-acceptance and forgiveness was I able to really sit down. And, and I mean myself, forgiving myself, mm -hmm. learning to love myself, learning to connect to myself, learning to accept myself, stop to reject myself, right? <laughs> Only when I was able to do that self-work within myself was I able to sit down and write. Because otherwise, I was running away from myself. That's why it's called the grass is greenest where I am. Because I was always running away thinking the grass was greenest somewhere else. I always, you know, and that's, I think that's a big part of the problem too, is that there is so much comparison in the world too, right? I mean, yeah. especially with social media today, we're always comparing ourselves to other people, you know, always, you know, thinking that somewhere the grass is greenest. And mm. it's not if we learn to nurture our own life and go within ourselves. Yes, absolutely. It's, uh, and again, I love the uh, nature metaphors. You know, grass is greenest where I am. Love the title and love the metaphor because it's two metaphors that we can simplify things and get our own, out of our own way, as you were saying before. Uh, and yes, the grass is greenest where we are when we water it and we give it attention and we weed it and we do the things to cultivate the grass that we're on. But often we, we, De definitely tend to want to go somewhere and outside of ourselves, believing that there's some way to um, feel better if we can find something outside of us that can help, whether it's a relationship, a job. Mm -hmm. um, but what we found, and uh, over and over, especially with my work that I do, there are people, all sorts of socioeconomic classes that I see that have conditions and challenges, you know, whether they're poor, whether they're you know, wealthy, they are still dealing with these challenges of finding uh, meaning and finding the inner love, you know, mm -hmm. self-love. So it doesn't seem to be any outside factors that really are gonna determine whether or not a person is happy in their lives. Mm -hmm. Usually it's gonna come from their beliefs mm -hmm. about those outside circumstances. Usually, so it's very important to make that distinction. Yeah, that it's uh, the belief you have about the things around you. Are you grateful? As you were saying, are you grateful? Right, because it's one of your G's. Yes. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so circumstances could be going on in in life, and but what's your attitude about it? Because mm -hmm. right? you can't control sometimes what goes on with people, what goes on in, in the economy. Uh, in fact, you can have very favorable conditions from, from
from comparative standpoint. Mm -hmm. But still, because of how you're relating mm -hmm. to it, you can't see the value. You're not as grateful. You're not able to see your own grass, you know, and how green it is. And so it, the circumstances are rarely the determining factor. Rather, it's our perception of them mm -hmm. that makes the biggest difference. And so in order to do that, you have to get clarity on what you, what you really want. Definitely. And I love that quote by Wayne Dyer, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Mm -hmm. Because it's so true, right? Yeah. Um, I have another great story is I had a fr I have a friend, not had a friend, I have a friend, I haven't seen her in a while. But she um, lived in this house um, in Miami. And there was another house next to her. And she always would look out the window and be like, wow, their grass is so much greener than mine. It's so much nicer, you know. And one time they went on vacation, and they asked her if she could get the mail from them, right? So she had to go over there. And she was like, she went over there and she realized their grass was brown. Mm. <laughs> it wasn't even green, like the way she saw it, like her grass. And, but her perception was over there was so much greener than where my grass was, you know? And it really shifted how she saw things because she realized that it was just her perception, right? We have, you know, certain glasses, certain way of looking at things. And if we can put different glasses on or see things from another perspective, it does shift our whole life, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's the power we have, you know, and I want to highlight this point as well for people is that power within us wants to thrive, mm -hmm. right? That's, it wants to grow. It, things get in the way. We confuse things. We, we uh, often, you know, measure the wrong things. The things that don't matter as much, those are the things we're measuring. But within us, we have this natural desire for survival and for growth. It's an instinct. Mm -hmm. it's, it's always there trying to bring us closer and closer to what that can feel like for us. And I think that same part of us can help us to see those circumstances where we are looking at others and thinking, yeah, this is it. This is, this is how it, you know, I would like my life to be mm -hmm. while you know, missing this other part of us that um, other part of our lives that's really good, really healthy. We, we can kind of start to focus more and more on uh, the things that don't really matter, that don't really measure up. Mm -hmm. And we think that's, their grass is greener yeah. as a result, right? But, so, but that same inner force that, that, can, that wants to thrive and grow can help us to see that too. Um, and that's, that's when you begin to make changes and once you change how you see things, as, as Wayne Dyer said, mm -hmm. the things you see change. Mm -hmm. uh, but the change within is so important. Mm -hmm. uh, that's where it starts. Yeah, and what I noticed too is that, um, and some of the courses that I've taken in life, is that we are meaning-making machines, you know? Something happens, we make it mean something about ourselves, you know? And like my son, he, he's very sensitive to rejection. He's got special needs. And if people reject him, or in any situation, he gets very upset, he gets angry. Um, let's talk a little bit about those emotions, anger, you know, for mm -hmm. example, is that part of a mental health situation or not? Or is that like natural for us to get angry? Like, how do you see anger as far as mental health goes? Well, I see that, of course, the emotions are definitely part of our natural state of being. It's wired into us, we're wired to have it and everyone knows what anger is, even if we call it different things from language to language, everyone knows the feeling. 
uh, and we see it and we know it when we see it in others too. So it's a very uh, common uh, part of our existence. It's really seen in a negative light because of how destructive it can be. Mm -hmm. Nonetheless, it's, it's part of a, uh, a healthy human body functions. Mm -hmm. You know, it's part of that. But of course, what, where we see mental health issues come in uh, or challenges come in is when we aren't processing those emotions effectively, mm -hmm. um, when we're maybe disconnected from processing or feeling anger. Because that's regulating it. Yeah, because we mm -hmm. have been told anger is not good, shouldn't be angry. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, it's not nice to be angry or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, and so the anger itself gets, we, we start to suppress it. We don't process it properly. Mm -hmm. And that itself can create problems. And it can create um, depression. After, actually, it can lead to feelings of depression over time. Um, bitterness, of course, resentments. Uh, self-loathing a little bit of that can come from repressed anger. So uh, that's where the emotion, so it's very important to see the value of emotions, that emotions are not, they don't, they don't, they don't dictate, they inform. Mm -hmm. They don't tell us what to do. Mm -hmm. We may be feeling sad. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean that we should go and lay in bed all day, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're feeling sad. You can feel sad and know that something is sad about my world, but then choose to do something different. Mm -hmm. So I say, you know, emotions inform us, they don't dictate mm -hmm. to us. They don't tell us what mm -hmm. to do. They just tell us what's going on, what we're feeling. So it's important to be, act to be able to access our emotions mm -hmm. so we can navigate the world towards the things we want and don't want, towards the things we prefer and don't prefer. But if we're not as connected to our emotions, then uh, we're only guided by the brain and the mind. Mm -hmm. And often that's just half the story. It's not the full story. The, the brain and the mind provides logic. Um, certainly it's great. But uh, emotions, feelings are, are part of our intuition. Mm -hmm. It's a deeper knowing mm -hmm. that we feel when we have emotions. Um, so we should allow for that in a way that doesn't, we don't feel overwhelmed by, mm -hmm. not taken by it in a way that helps us to understand where we are in our lives and then we can then make choices about where we want to go from there yeah and um how important um is it not to live completely by emotions because like you said some people live in their emotions like a hundred percent right um you know and how can we get out of our own way like do you help your is that part of the thing of being able to get out of your own way with emotions is that part of the things that patients come and speak to you about or clients yeah, I think that um, emotions, uh, they do come in, they do speak to me about that quite a bit. Obviously, that's, that's a mm -hmm. big part of the work that I do is just at noticing emotions, being with the person while they're going through their emotions. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, often people who struggle with getting out of their feelings of emotions are usually not processing the right emotion. Um, and that's usually why they get stuck often because our emotions, like I said, our bodies are, it wants to grow and thrive. It wants to process mm -hmm. just like digestion. We eat, it digests and it moves on. And emotions are, can be seen in the same way mm -hmm. that it's trying to move through, but it gets stuck along the way sometimes. And uh, something to say about emotions that's very helpful for people to, to hear is that we have to feel it to heal it. 
Right? That's the model around emotions, particularly with my clients. You gotta feel it to heal it. Hmm. And so often we're not feeling our emotions. We're disconnected. And uh, as an example, someone might be feeling a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear around going on stage and speaking up mm -hmm. or you know, saying something where there's a room full of people, right? Mm -hmm. And so they're thinking I'm dealing with fear and I'm dealing with maybe I, I'm too afraid of others. Mm -hmm. But if the person takes some time and do the breathing techniques that I mentioned mm -hmm. and sit with really what's underneath this fear, they'll likely find shame. Shame around not being good enough, not having anything worthwhile to say, which can again originate from upbringing. Mm -hmm. And so while the person may be trying to find ways to not be as fearful, not be as anxious, really what they may need to process first is a feeling of shame. Mm -hmm. And so the goal is to help a person get to the core feeling that they need to get to. Mm -hmm. And from there, they're able to then process that, mm -hmm. which then leads to processing any other emotion. Maybe there's resentments that have been there, but you got to find what's the core. You got to go deep within yourself because there's, there's levels of that are underneath that could be affecting why you feel it's very interesting what you're saying. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. You have to be able to get to those core and that then um, is how you process so you can get clearer. So you're not, um, as you're saying, living from emotions because we could be living in fear often, right? I'm anxious, I'm constantly anxious, I'm constantly worried about life and things and people. Um, and that, that isn't a very healthy place to live. We can be living in anger, really resentful. We haven't processed maybe grief. We haven't processed the anger properly. Um, guilt and sometimes, and it's anger, you know? And so now we're living in anger. I'm constantly angry, I'm constantly angry, angry, but really it's not the anger that's not the emotion. That's why you're constantly feeling your anger is covering up the other emotion. Mm -hmm. So let's get to that first, resolve that, so then the anger can, can go away too. That's amazing. So you really need a therapist to do that because it's so deep, all those layers. They're so deep that you need to, almost someone to guide you. And that's why it's so important to have a therapist, you know, to be able to work through those feelings and emotions. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's really important mm -hmm. to have a, a witness. Mm -hmm. And I'll say therapist, yes, because I'm a therapist. Yeah. Where, but a witness, you know, I think a healer person, you know, some people can hold space differently than others. Obviously, if you're trained and you're, you're, you've been practicing for years, then you have a capacity to do that, uh, maybe in ways that others may not be. But I think having a witness, that's why I was mentioning how important relationships are. Mm -hmm. Just having that can be a great start. You know, a good friend doesn't mind listening yes. and to go deeper than a therapist who, who can help guide you through that process. I love it. Well, the time's gone by so fast. I can't believe it, Paul. I wanted to ask you more questions and I'm like, oh, my God. All right. Well, this was so great to have you here. How can people find you, get in touch with you? You also do virtual um, therapy, right, with people? Yes, I do. Yeah, the best way to reach me is uh, through my email address is uh, realizedinsight.com. No, sorry, realizedinsight at gmail.com. So realizedinsight at gmail.com and then also on psychology today.
Thank That's you. great. Well, thank you so much. It's been such an honor and a pleasure to talk to you today. I think this is such an important subject, and um, I hope people get the support they need, like you said, the relationships that they need to heal themselves um, so they can you know, create what they want in their lives. It's so important. So thank you so much um, for you. being my guest today. Thanks for having me. Um, so I want to thank you all for joining us today. Um, it's been such an honor um, to speak about mental health because I think it's such an important thing. Till next time, please remember to do the three G's. Have a grateful heart, ground in love and compassion, and know every day that you are guided by God. What miracles will you experience this week? I wish you a beautiful week, everyone. Namaste.